Anytime you're uncomfortable with something that's going on in your body or you're curious, you should go to see your doctor or a naturopathic doctor. Naturopathic doctors, we spend time with our patients, right? We have an hour initially and we talk about everything. We talk about all these things and sometimes patients are like, actually, yeah, I have been noticing hair growth on my face um, and I've been waxing or I've been removing it in some way and I'm really embarrassed to talk about it. So then we start to go down that path Well, maybe like, let's see what's going on there. Yeah, so whenever you're uncomfortable with something or you're curious about a symptom, but if you start to see all of these symptoms and or you're noticing irregular periods or you're starting thinking about having a baby, maybe you don't have regular periods, that's usually when people come in to see me. Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as the Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mom Strength. This is Surabi Veach, and I'm really pumped to have on someone I've known for, I would say, like almost 15 plus years. I, I can't even keep track uh, anymore. So this is Dr. Whitney Baxter. Whitney is a naturopathic doctor, and we did our kinesiology degrees together at the University of Waterloo in Ontario way back when. And now she lives in Victoria, BC with her husband and her seven-month-old daughter. I can't believe she's seven months already. Um, so Whitney, her journey to naturopathic medicine began after working as an exercise therapist in cardiac rehab, she witnessed the value of a holistic approach to healthcare and understood that each individual's physical, mental, and emotional health are interconnected. She loves to help people kick PMS symptoms, regulate their periods, and support healthy digestion. She also loves to support new moms feel their strongest, resilient, and feel empowered in their new parent role. Whitney treats British Columbia residents, both virtually and in person. Whitney, I'm so pumped to have you on here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm really, really pumped. And Whitney is like a whole, she has a whole world of knowledge and she makes it so easy for people to understand. And that's what I love about her is sometimes, you know, doctors and naturopaths, they know so much, but it's trying to relate, relay that information to somebody who's not in that field can be tricky. And Whitney does such a good job at that. And so we're going to get right into um, PCOS. And actually, I would love to know what you know, you mentioned what kind of brought you into working as a naturopathic doctor. Mm -hmm. Were there things that you experienced in your own body that brought you there too? Yeah, 100%. Um, I like how you said, thank you for saying I make this information approachable because I, of course, have experienced it too. Mm -hmm. So it took me living through not knowing what my symptoms meant, not knowing how to tune into my body and going through to different doctors and seeing different professionals. So it helps to experience things. Yes. Um, so yeah, I definitely had my own health issues, lots of painful periods, anxiety um, that we all just kind of deal with and yeah. don't talk about it as anything that's not normal. 
So it wasn't really until before I entered into naturopathic medicine that I saw a naturopathic doctor and they really helped answer a lot of questions that I didn't know I had. Mm. And I love that because I think it's something that so many of us can relate to as women, especially is like, you're kind of sloughed off. Oh, it's a period. Of course it's going to, of course it's going to hurt. Or just kind of, nobody wants to talk about it. It's like a, a -hmm. taboo topic yet. Like, 50% 50% of the population ish, you know, will experience right. periods. It's just, it's something that I think I'm so happy to talk about this. And I, I'm hoping that this, you know, whoever's listening to this sees that they're not alone and that right. if they're not getting answers, it's probably because they're not um, seeing the right people. It, you know, it's not that um, sometimes we go to the wrong professionals. And that's yes. what I want to talk about today as well as, you know, who to go to to find that support. So let's start with PCOS. What is PCOS? And can you define what it is? So PCOS is a syndrome that deserves more attention in women's health or for those with periods for three main reasons. So first, it's really common. Second, diagnosis is not clear. So it is really difficult for doctors or people who are making the diagnosis. And finally, it affects people both physically and emotionally. So first, it's the most common endocrine or hormone condition and affects 8 to 13% of people with periods and 70% wow. are not diagnosed. What? 70% are not diagnosed. So it's a really big number. And so and what is it? the reason so PCOS is, can you? Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. So polycystic ovaries, so lots of um, cysts on the ovaries. That's kind of how a lot of people recognize it. But that S stands for syndrome. So there's a lot of things going on. So that's why it's difficult to diagnose. It's not a straightforward condition. There's not like X, Y, and Z. This is what you have. Um, it's a spectrum. So the signs and symptoms are coming from a lot of different parts of the body, and I can talk about that in a bit. But getting a proper diagnosis is really tricky because of the many different ways it presents, and there's not always clear diagnostic criteria. So there's definitely, this is improving, but it's not great. And this is something that I have been, um, I don't know if I have it, but it's something that I have been told you may have this because of the types of signs and symptoms that I was having. Mm -hmm. And so I remember thinking like, okay, do I have this? Do I not? Like, it's so confusing because if you, sometimes it helps to have a diagnosis, but sometimes it can also be limiting to feel like, oh, I'm tied to this now. Right. It's like, oh gosh, like I, I'm a PCOS PCOS person. Right. Versus like, you're still a human being, but you may also have, you know, certain things going on in your body. So how, what are some of the most common things that people experience when they have PCOS that are kind of hallmark? signs? So the physical symptoms, a lot of people will come in noticing hair growth on their face, which is pretty alarming. So we all have little peach fuzz, which I've grown to love on myself. Um, But it's (laughs) the thicker black hairs. Um, Also thinning hair on the scalp, irregular periods, trouble losing weight, cystic acne, so pretty painful acne, fatigue, infertility. So that's another big one that people will kind of seek medical attention for. And some have been told, of course, that they have multiple cysts on their ovaries. So if they've had a transvaginal ultrasound, that's what they've been told. And then that's when doctors start to flag, okay, this might be what it is. Is it normal to have any cysts in the ovaries? Like, are they, is that a thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, so our ovaries are producing follicles. So that's the first half of our period is the follicular phase. So from day one of your cycles when we bleed and then up until we ovulate, it's about two weeks. And during that time in the ovaries, um, they're producing follicles. And then the dominant follicle will go on to be ovulated and spike in estrogen. And yeah, it's this like beautiful orchestra of hormonal changes that are going on throughout our cycle. So yes, it is normal to have lots of follicles, a little bit more in the teenage years. And then as our bodies normalize and regulate a little bit less, but it's, it kind of depends when they're doing this transvaginal ultrasound at what point in the cycle. Um, And the problem with PCOS is they're not ovulating. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of follicles in that ovary. So it looks polycystic or lots of cysts on the ovaries. Um, What's not normal is if there is a big cyst, a large growth, um, so that's something we always need to rule out. I've had a couple of clients who've had those larger cysts as well, and they've ha- either had to have it removed or they've had you know some kind of intervention for that. Mm-hmm. And so that's good to know because I think a lot of people have ultrasounds and they notice a cyst or you know some cyst, and then they they get alarmed. But so this yeah. is polycystic ovarian syndrome is when you have multiple of them. Yes. And what would bring somebody to, you mentioned some of those things like the hair growth or the hair loss on the head and the acne. Like those mm-hmm. are things that are common during, let's say puberty or you know, during transitions, yeah. right? It's like those awkward, awkward years. And yeah. so what would bring someone's to say, hmm, maybe it goes beyond that. Is it the, is it the menstrual cycle? Is it that, that's the kind of, um, thing that brings people to seek attention for it? I think that's a really good question because I think in general, anytime you're uncomfortable with something that's going on in your body or you're curious, you should go to see your doctor or a naturopathic doctor. And we can, naturopathic doctors, we spend time with our patients, right? We have an hour initially and we talk about everything. We talk about all these things. And sometimes patients are like, actually, yeah, I have been noticing hair growth on my face. Um, And I've been waxing or I've been removing it in some way. And I'm really embarrassed to talk about it. So then we start to go down that path. Well, maybe like, let's see what's going on there. But yeah, so whenever you're uncomfortable with something or you're curious about a symptom, but if you start to see all of these symptoms and, or you're noticing irregular periods, um, or you're starting thinking about having a baby, maybe you don't have regular periods. That's usually when people come in to see me. And what would be an irregular period and what's a regular period? So this is a big one. Um, I tell all of my patients to track their cycle. I think it's the best thing that we can do. It gives us so information about our overall health. It's pretty amazing. It also gives a lot of information for doctors. Um, So let's break it down. So what are we tracking? So cycle length, how regular we are, and then the length of bleed and, of course, any symptoms. So cycle length, so I think I mentioned day one is the first day of our bleed until day one of your next bleed. So that is a full cycle. Um, How regular it is, so normal is anywhere from 24 to 38 days. So that's a pretty big big range. range. Some references will say 21 to 35 days. Of course, I think we're all familiar with the 28 day, which is very average, but this is not for everyone. And it can change from month to month. So the idea is to track for a few months to see the cycle to cycle variability. Um, And are you having cycles that are really, really long? So over that 35-day mark, 
Um, then it goes back to 21, 25. So what is the variability? And if you bring that to your doctor, we can break it down and figure out what's going on. And what I want people to do is pay attention to all of their symptoms that are going on in their cycle. So do you get headaches or migraines? Do you break out right before your cycle? Are you having a lot of pain? When is that happening? Does your digestion change? Do you have anxiety? Because all of these things could, of course, be due to something else, but usually or commonly it's due to the, um, the hormone cycling. And then with PCOS, we're looking at um, those late periods, those long cycles, and if they're different month to month. Either you're not ovulating every month or you have a really short first phase, that follicular, follicular phase. So that's what we're looking into. And that's so interesting because all of those symptoms, I feel like I, I have clients, I have friends, you know, I've known so many people who've had help for their anxiety or help for, you know, I've hair growth, right? They're, they have hair loss on their head. So they're getting treatment for specific issues, but perhaps it all ties in together. And I think that's the beauty of naturopath. naturopathy is like you look at that whole body and the connection of all of it. So mm-hmm. things like this aren't as often missed um, right. versus sometimes going to a medical doctor you might say, oh, I have cramps, you know, and right. it's like, okay, here are, is your birth control pill. Take that mm-hmm. to regulate your your pain, painful periods and you know move on, and I think that there's it's a problem with the system r- rather than the doctors because the system is built, medical system is built to have very little time with the client, right? And you yeah. take that full hour to spend to look at all of the systems. So I think that that's something mm-hmm. to point out for people who are listening who are not getting the answers is perhaps seeing a naturopathic doctor to have that time to go through all of the systems and see if it relates, if it doesn't. Uh, and tracking, tracking your period. I love so that easy. tip. So <laughs> easy. Do you use an app? Do you you just write it down in your planner? What's the easiest for people? Um, I really like, everybody has their own, their favorite apps. If you find a free one that you like, go for it. I liked Clue. I used it. I just liked the interface. It was really simple and I was using my calendar on my phone for a while, but there's so many other things on there that it was nice to have like a separate space for my period because that was a lot of information for me. So that's especially if you're tracking like your, um, like you said, like your headaches or any other symptoms, it can be hard to track that on your calendar because that's what I was doing too. Is I was, I was like, okay, period. Like first day of my period would be like marked in red, so I could keep track of the first day. But then nobody knows everything else, right? Right, and this these apps prompt you and they have little check boxes of lists of symptoms. So things that you're not even attributing to your cycle. Um, that's why I give the example of headaches because not everyone attributes that to their cycle, but anxiety, depression, cramping, all these things, it's just giving you little check boxes, which is really nice. And what causes PCOS? Okay. This is where you'll have to reel me back in if I'm nerding out a little bit. <laughs> so the, so right now, like research is ongoing, of course, and they don't know the exact trigger. It, there may be a genetic component. So if your mom or sisters or someone has PCOS in your family, then it's worth getting investigated. So diagnosis is a means of ruling out other causes of the symptoms. Following criteria groupings, and there's a few different um, diagnostic criteria, and figuring out what is the driving factor or the, the root cause. All of this to say is that diagnosis requires a lot of blood work. So I like to prepare my patients for that. It's a lot of investigating because 
yes, the diagnosis, there is like a clinical presentation. So their symptoms make a lot of sense, but we need to know what's going on at the level of the hormones so we can treat accordingly. And we don't waste time. We don't waste your money on supplements or trial things. Um, sometimes we go down that road if it's pretty clear, but at the end of the day, it's always up to the patient. But I, I do like to investigate through blood work to make sure we're being safe and effective. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I just like to prepare patients. So it's going to be a lot of blood work. Um, but let's talk about what's going on. So a number of things. So it's that syndrome. So there's a few things hormonally. Um, first of all, there's elevated androgens. So that's our testosterone. Another couple androgens called DHEA and DHEAS. So those things are high and that's what's causing the hair growth and the acne. And um, some people notice some male pattern baldness on their head as well. Mm. Um, Another thing that's going on is insulin resistance. So we think of this when we think about diabetes, um, but it's also going on in PCOS um, from lean people as well. So we're looking at their body's ability to regulate blood sugar intake. Um, And then also problems with ovulation. So like I said, there's a lot of follicles being developed, but there's a problem with those follicles, the egg being released and ovulation. So when we're running blood work, we're looking at all these hormones. Um, We could go through them all, but basically estrogen, the testosterones, progesterone, couple hormones called LH and FSH. Those are the hormones from our brain that signal the ovaries to release the egg and build estrogen. Um, and then, yeah, your insulin resistance. Another thing we're looking at done, would that all be done with like one blood test? Like you go at one point, you get your fasting blood glucose and all that. And is it a fasting test or is it more of a like, yeah, it's fasting. Um, the most accurate way to look at this blood work is you'd go on day three of your cycle for one, one half of the blood work and day 21 for your progesterone. So that's why it's really, really, really great when people are coming in with like a three month record of their cycles. So they have an idea of what these days mean when they're ovulating. It's just the most accurate way to look at our hormones because they cycle every month. That's so interesting. I've never heard of anyone describe it like that. And that makes so much more sense than just like a random point in your cycle getting tested and then totally. maybe it looks okay and maybe it's actually not, right? Yeah, totally. Um, um, and- so this blood work also includes just other things that we're ruling out. So we're looking at thyroid. We're looking at cortisol levels. Yeah. So it's pretty comprehensive. Thyroid. So that's also something that's interesting because I know that postpartum, the thyroid can get affected as well. And would that cause PCOS or would would that be a separate issue? Um, That's a really good question. I don't know. Physiologically, I'm sure there's a link. Um, Our thyroid is our metabolic driver and it's definitely impacted with stress, um, with gut health. And a lot of these things can lead to PCOS too, or just be incorporated in all of that. So not sure if there's a cause there, but definitely a link. Mm. So we're always looking at that when there's a PCOS picture, when you're trying to get pregnant, when you're postpartum, just to make sure that those levels are normalized. And is PCOS something that people can have since puberty, like since they, when they first get their period, or is it something that kind of they get later on in life? Yeah, once like it's funny when we hit puberty, it takes a few years for our body to regulate itself. Oh, wow. um, so like 
we're teenagers, right? We get our period. We're all talking about it. We have cramps. We have acne. We're, but when, I don't know about you, when, but when I was that age, the first thing to do was go on the pill. Nobody mm. talked to me about my body and normalizing that. And I think I was on the pill for a year and I was throwing up every day. I'm like, this is weird. That's when naturopathic medicine striked in my little young brain. I'm like, yeah. something else has to be going on. Yeah. Um, so to get back to your question, when we start seeing symptoms of PCOS show up, even when our bodies are in this regulatory phase, I think it's definitely important to look into see if that's going on. I think I do remember like, for me, I was a teenager and like, you know, all the acne and all this, the typical stuff, but there's such a difference between, because there's such a wide range of normal, right? Mm -hmm. Some people don't have it. And some people have a lot of acne. Some people gain weight, some people don't. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like it's so hard to know what is a normal change and what isn't. But like you said, like throwing up, because I remember trying one pill and that would make me throw up. It got to the point where I was so nauseous. I couldn't eat till 3 PM during the day. And Crazy. And the, doc- the doctor's like, yeah, just um, go on it for three months. I'm like, I, w- I was already so skinny. I'm like, I will literally like decompose. Like I need to eat. And, but it, you know, I can't just suffer through for three months on this. Like there has to be a better option. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I do remember that a lot of people um, just were told to go on the pill for anything, acne, yeah. cramps, and, it, you know, it makes sense to go on the pill for birth control benefits of mm-hmm. it. But for other things, I feel like there has to be um, some kind of investigation first, like you said. Totally. And I think that's the bottom line. Like, let's investigate. Let's ask questions as to why things are going on. Our bodies are brilliant. Like, you know, as a physiotherapist, you give it the right tools and it knows what to do. Yeah. You remove the opt- obstacles and it will get back on track. So there's always options for treatment too. Maybe the pill is someone's, that's what they would prefer. It's easy to take. Um, If it's safe, it's effective and they're going on it for X amount of time and they know why and they understand what their other options are. Sure. That's, that's great. Um, Or maybe we need a little bit of that hormone. There's, there's other options. I can go on and on about this obviously. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think the bottom line is let's investigate. Let's ask more questions. Let's talk about people with what their options are. Is PCOS then something that people deal with for life once they like, once they have it? Or is this something that is kind of an interim, like you have it for a while, you regulate, you you may manage it, and then it's kind of gets back on track? Yeah. Um, People can grow out of it. Uh, it's kind of when we go through menopause, we stop cycling. So it will end around there. But I think a big thing to know is there are ways of treating it and supporting it and giving the body the tools that it needs to normalize its, the hormone processes that are going on. I love that. Like like you said, as a physio, every single injury, right? Like prolapse, diastasis, back injuries, sciatic nerve, like disc injuries, all of that, you see it on paper and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to be living with this for life. However, so many people live with the diagnosis for life, but they're not dealing with the symptoms because they know how to manage it. They have strategies. And I, I like that analogy with PCOS too, because sometimes we think, oh, we're, we're limited forever because of this. But if you have an you know, if you go to see somebody who has expertise to support you, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, you know, I think it has to go both ways too, is like, you also have to be open to doing it right? yes. versus, yes. you know, if you're not, then mm-hmm. of course, that's also an option is to continue um, going about the way you are right now. Right. And yep. that's always, always an option. 
Yeah. So what's your approach? You, you mentioned a little bit about as a naturopath, you investigate from the blood work first. So what's your approach generally to, let's say, if someone comes in um, with these uh, symptoms? So just for people who have never seen a naturopathic doctor before, I wanted to give just a really brief overview of what we do because I meet a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, I have benefits for you, but I've never seen an ND. Um, so we're just like an other side of healthcare. So our medical doctors are wonderful. They're there for a reason. They are there to also diagnose and to flag red flag things and send for um, further diagnostic and imaging and workup. So that system is wonderful. But a naturopathic approach is a little bit different. So we function like GPs, like your medical doctor, but we have more time. So we have an hour with people initially. Some doctors will take a little bit longer. I like to chat, so I usually run like an hour and 15 minutes. Um, and then we have anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes for follow-ups. So this first hour gives us time to review your physical symptoms. So do you have painful periods, anxiety? Are you postpartum and you're exhausted? Are you experiencing infertility or what's going on? What's your chief concern? And then we, so we dive into this, your whole medical history. Um, and then we also get to know you. These symptoms are attached to a human with emotions, hobby, family story. And this all plays into the health and all plays into what we're going to do for treatment, what they want to do, what they're able to do. Um, and we just build that around their life. I love that. I think that's such a um, similar approach to how I function as well is, you know, seeing just the person first versus the diagnosis or the injury first. And I think that people appre appreciate that um, mm -hmm. because nobody wants to be seen as like, oh, you're so-and-so with this. Right. <laughs> you just want to be seen as us. Yes. And uh, I love that you use that approach, um, kind of a full holistic approach really, right? Yeah. And so people find is no exception. After mm -hmm. listening to someone's experience or symptoms, which can show up differently for everybody, right? And some people will come in and say, I've been reading a lot about PCOS. I think that's what I have. Or my doctor saw um, lots of cysts in my ovaries and they're thinking about PCOS. Some people will come in with all the blood work already and they just want a naturopathic approach. Um, so in any case, we're searching for the root problem. This will always guide our treatment. No one's the exact same. So we're mm -hmm. really, um, there's lots of base protocols that I can introduce but I'm always tweaking it for the person. And it's also something that, like you said at the beginning, was I think underdiagnosed, like 70% yeah. of people aren't diagnosed. So that's mm. huge. Yeah. And so if a lot of people are dealing with this, I think if you're listening to this and you're in healthcare and you work with people who have these types of symptoms, maybe getting them to, referring them to their um, MD or naturopathic doctor for extra support, because mm -hmm. sometimes it's me, right, who's noticing that the person is complaining of, you know, anxiety or weight gain, and they're trying to exercise for weight gain when that might be, you know, the furthest thing that from what they need. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that approach as well. Can you talk about what kind of specific treatments you would do for PCOS? And I know it's totally dependent on each person, but what are some common themes that you notice? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's, it's always different for everybody. And I always encourage someone to go see their doctor first, get the blood work, get a diagnosis under, instead of treating yourself because you don't want to, our bodies are amazing 
And these natural, even if they're natural products, they do work. So they will shift your hormones. So you don't want to go in the wrong direction. Right. So I always just stress that first. Like even some teas, like really strong teas or things from health food stores, they're pretty powerful stuff. So yeah, just be mind, being mindful of that. Um, but the main goals that we're doing with PCOS treatment, so we're looking at um, focusing on healthy ovulation. Even if fertility is not your goal, um, we, we cycle. So it, it's a huge part of our health and we need estrogen. Estrogen is like a really important hormone. Progesterone makes us feel like warm and happy and chill. Um, so they're really great hormones. I will take both, please. <laughs> I know. I know. You too. This is why postpartum is so hard, right? Is like, you know, yeah. estrogen just like drops. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's. We should talk about that too on another one. It's, yeah. Yeah. I even knew it was coming and I still crashed hard. Of course. And that's the thing is yeah. it's sometimes. And when we know what's going to happen, doesn't really save us from it happening, no. right? It's just like your body's like, I control you. I control you now. I'm going to crash these hormones. I'm going to add sleep deprivation and all of that to it. And you're like, yeah, I need help. Yeah. I need to take uh, care of this baby. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so hard. And it's something that I feel maybe back in the day there was just more support around. Like there was more of that village in-person Yes, in nearby. So you, you never felt like you were going through it alone. But so many people now are um, living not close to family or friends and we're in a pandemic. So it's right. all your typical support systems are that much harder. So, yeah. um, well, let's get back to PCOS and mm -hmm. what kind of things, what kind of other things can support somebody with it? So, we, yeah, we're looking at healthy ovulation, managing that insulin sensitivity, so blood sugar control um, or blood sugar regulation, lowering the androgens, so that's that hair growth and acne, so that can be a really frustrating symptom for a lot of people, so sometimes they just want help with that. And then another part of the picture is managing inflammation. Um, inflammation mm -hmm. in our body, it can have a lot of root causes, but... Um, it can just cause brain fog and like achy joints, headaches, digestive issues, and it can, yeah, it can really impact our hormones. So sometimes PCOS patients are dealing with that as a driver. So we're looking into that too. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of evidence for a lot of the natural therapies for PCOS. Um, there's also pharmaceutical options. Always depends on the person, but there's there's definitely options. Um, and the treatment plan can feel overwhelming because there is a lot to it. Just like the blood work, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, but we are doing our best to support those hormone pathways with natural substances and more specific things. So if you feel like you're taking 10 things and you don't know why, I always tell people, ask. Keep asking me questions. Whenever I give somebody a product, I'm listing the purpose and how long they'll be taking it for and when we're following up. Because it does. Because yeah, you don't want to feel like, oh, God, I have like 15 things to buy yeah. at the health food store and I'm taking it forever, right? right. And right. it's it gets expensive and it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you mentioned – I'm glad you, you're upfront with that too is – For sure. It's so helpful to have those questions answered. And is it something that you find um, – I guess it, like you said, there's four main – Thing. So it depends on the person where you're starting, right? Totally. You know, you might not start with supplements first. You might start with something else first. 
Totally. Yes. Yes. It depends where you're at. Yes. We can take it like a really gentle approach, acupuncture, diet, um, maybe a couple supplements. Others, we need to go a little bit more comprehensive. So it, 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 that's when it comes down to the blood work, where they're at, how long it's been going on for, mm. that sort of thing. Um, so I'll just give some examples of products. Maybe people have read about it or they're getting it from their naturopathic doctor and they know a little bit about it. So one is inositol. So there's a couple different forms uh, depending on your blood work. But basically inositol is a sugar that's made in the body. And the supplement has been studied at specific doses to improve the fertility and ovulation in people with PCOS, the blood sugar regulation piece, and the androgen levels. So it's a huge, huge piece of this protocol. Um, and then another and is thing. Is that an oral supplement? Yeah, it's an oral mm-hmm. supplement. I think it comes in powders as well, so you can mix it into smoothies and waters. But yeah, it's it's um, it's an oral supplement. All of these are. Um, the second thing is NAC or N-acetylcysteine. <clears throat> so it's a precursor to glutathione, which is our body's main antioxidant. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing that was shown to improve the insulin, testosterone, and ovulation levels in studies. So pretty exciting that there's things that can help shift things back into balance. And then a third piece is blood sugar regulation. So there's a lot of great natural products that can help really be the driver. And then we are, of course, working on diet. And I'm not, you're not walking away with this. I'm pretty big with not putting people on restrictive diets because it's such a huge part of life and I'm a huge foodie and I'm a big sweet tooth. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to teach you and I'm going to give you the tools and kind of help you, help you, yeah, give you some tips. But um, some things that we can do from a natural supplement perspective are things like chromium. So this is something that improves insulin binding in our body. Vitamin D. Vitamin D is a really big one, and I'll talk about what people can do at home, and this is one of them. We're finding that vitamin D functions a lot like a hormone in the body, so it just does a lot more things. Um, so yeah, really important piece there. And then other things, cinnamon, believe it or not, regulates our blood sugar. You do have to have I've a lot. I've heard of that. So, yeah, I've, you need a lot. So it's great to add cinnamon to foods like apples and things with more sugar, like fruit, but um, it's good in a capsule form because that would be really strong to take the amount that you need to make. I'm picturing like cinnamon hearts, like just super powerful. I forgot about those. (laughs) I could never tolerate them. I can only handle a little bit. I liked putting a bit of cinnamon in my chocolate smoothie sometimes because it just adds a nice kick. But um, also what you mentioned with blood sugar regulation, one thing that I notice with moms and I notice this with myself too, is like sometimes moms will not eat all day and then they'll like eat everything in the evening. Mm -hmm. And so like that alone can cause all of these messed up, you know, pathways in our body. So can you talk a little bit about what that does? you know, lack of eating and then binging and that kind of thing. I love the topic of blood sugar balancing because it helps once we understand it and we can do it throughout the day, it helps our mood, anxiety. So I'm a person who had a lot of anxiety and I was not balancing my blood sugar properly. I was just living on coffee all day. Um, And it can improve our insomnia and sleep. So many things and our hormones. So basically – when we're not eating all day, we're say we're sipping coffee, we're chasing the kids, go, 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 go. 
we're running on adrenaline, on cortisol, and we're just not giving the body it needs for energy. So we're just burning fumes and then we crash and then we're starving and we binge. And usually when the body is crashing, it's in stress. So it's craving glucose for the brain. So that's why we crave sugar and carbs. And Mm. we probably, yeah, we're exhausted. So we can't make a decision like, no, I'm going to have a healthy snack or whatever. We're just going to get something in our body. So blood sugar. And then when we eat that sugary food, our blood sugar spikes and then it will crash and then we'll go through it again. So really simple things. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that is huge because I see a lot of people exhausted. So they're drinking coffee for Mm -hmm. everything from brain fog to fatigue to just, you know, oh, I, I, and they're, they're trying to lose weight because, you know, diet culture exists and is telling you to be thinner and, you know, have a flatter stomach. So they're like, oh, I just won't eat as much. And then they're not eating as much. And that's actually doing worse for their hormones, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. Wow. Because it's spiking the cortisol and high cortisol in the body um, makes us feel inflamed. It creates stubborn belly fat. So that's, what people are experiencing, right? So they keep going on these diets and exercising more and more and more. And really what we need to do is counterintuitive. We need to slow down. We need to eat different snacks throughout the day. We need to exercise more moderate intensities um, just to lower the cortisol. But again, it that's something we can test to see if that's what is going on. And yeah. Very cool um, that that can be tested too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. And then for blood sugar balancing, really easy things I get people to do is just have something for breakfast. I know not everybody likes breakfast. So if it's something that makes you queasy in the morning, just eat when you can, even if it's something small, like a piece of toast with a nut butter. Um, But don't just have coffee for breakfast. And then have pair your carbs or your sugars, so even fruit, with a healthy fat or a protein source. So I mentioned toast with some nut butter. Um, even if you're having some some fruit, pair it with a handful of nuts and seeds. Hummus with some vegetables or something. So you're always pairing foods like that. Salad with lots of avocado, extra virgin olive oil. So that's preventing that spike and crash. Mm. Um and honestly, it will just save your energy throughout the day. <laughs> and you're getting in more of these healthy fats and B vitamins and things that we need to make energy and hormones anyways. So it's kind of, yeah, hitting hitting all the things that you need to do. One thing that I've been working on, because I was a chronic, like, never eat breakfast kind of person, I would, you know, stay up too late because I'm a night owl, wake up just exactly when I needed to leave for school or work or whatever, not eat breakfast because I wasn't hungry. But part of what, why I wasn't hungry is because I was waking up already kind of stressed and like, oh, I got to go, right? Yeah. So it's like even just with working for myself, I set my own schedule so that I'm not rushing anywhere in the morning except for, you know, kids drop off, that kind of stuff. But then mm-hmm. I can come home and then actually eat. And the days that I make time to eat, I feel mentally and physically so much better throughout the day. And for those of you who are listening who are like, I just can't eat breakfast, like sometimes I would start with just a smoothie because it's like I can toss in protein powder, I can toss in, you know, other stuff in there and it's just a drink and I don't have to like sit down and eat it. But now that now when I make time for like eggs and toast and, and you know, kale or what, like a full breakfast, I just feel mm-hmm. so much better. 
I know. I love your post. I love how you share that too. And when we make these beautiful things and we were being purposeful with it, then we're sitting and we're not in that stress state and then you can digest it better and you'll likely feel less nauseous. It will, it will just sit better and your body will be able to digest it and use those nutrients. And for people who are busy moms and who have kids, mm-hmm. like mostly you make sure your kids eat, right? Like right. You're, you're rarely sending your kids out of the house without them eating. So like right. maybe eat with them and it might involve a bit of meal prep the night before so that it's ready to go. So you, you don't have to prepare as they're eating. But that was something that like I hate oats, but I was like, I will deal with eating oats. <laughs> that I can just eat. This was way back, way back when I had my fur my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, because she would eat oats and otherwise I would find that I would be making a fresh bowl of oats for her and you know, oats don't take a long time, but it still takes time. And by it's the time so she was done eating, I had to mm-hmm. clean her up and then I wouldn't have time to eat. So sometimes it's like these logistical things to make our lives mm-hmm. easier so that we're not crashing. Like you said, that's a great point. Yeah. Meal prep the night before game changer, <laughs> even though. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like super, I find that sometimes on social media and Pinterest worthy meals, it's like, you don't have to have this perfect meal, right? It's no, just like, no. it can be ugly sludge, like oatmeal. Exactly. And just like, we just toss in almond butter or, and then like chia seeds in the morning with yes. like nuts. It's like easy, right? Easy. Um, yeah. And what about gluten-free? Because I know that a lot of people are given mm-hmm. gluten-free, like by their naturopaths and it's like- yeah. Is it something that helps some people or all people? Like what, what's, the, what's the story behind that? That's a great question. Um, so gluten just in North America is really processed. Um, a lot of people will tell me, oh, I traveled to Italy and I could eat bread all day and I wasn't bloated at all. So it's very, it's very individual. I, I think just teaching people, first of all, it's – it's a protein and it's like gluey. It helps things stick together. So it tastes delicious. <laughs> but it's also, it's a binder. So it's in a lot of things. It's even in some toothpastes and a lot of like boxed pre-prepared things. So if you're wanting to go gluten-free or cutting back on it, it's just, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging just knowing that. Um, so Gluten, you can have an autoimmune condition called celiac disease. That's where your body is getting confused by the gluten molecule and it's in the intestines and it's attacking itself. And so it's just causing a lot of damage and um, really impairing nutrient absorption and causing a lot, causing a lot of discomfort. So of course, in that scenario, we cannot eat gluten. Some other people have what's called a, sen- is a sensitivity, so they're eating gluten and it's not creating such the alarming symptoms as celiac disease, but it's creating gas, bloating, inflammation, brain fog, discomfort, um, just doesn't make them feel good. So I'll have people come in and say, I know gluten doesn't make me feel good, but I eat it sometimes and really great. Like if you know and you can just kind of work with that balance. I think that's really, really important. And sometimes I'll do food sensitivity testing where we'll see exactly what's causing the inflammation. And if it's gluten, I'll educate them on that, give them other options, talk about what it's in. And all this is to say is it depends. There's testing options and then treatment options available. 
That's good. That's good to know because I think gluten is something that a lot of people are very attached to and it's, it's so delicious. I remember after my first, I was told to go, I'm already vegetarian and I was told to go gluten-free, dairy-free and egg-free because I was getting all of these symptoms and my daughter that I was breastfeeding was getting a lot of reflux Mm -hmm. and all of these other things. Yeah. And it did help. It did help, but it was so stressful to keep up with that diet that I think the stress that it caused, and that was pre-pandemic. This is when I had my first. So like social gatherings, Christmas, Diwali, like all of these holidays were just not fun anymore because I had to be the person who's like, oh, I can't eat that. Or Mm -hmm. like it would be there and then I would have no self-control because I just like restricted myself from eating this for so long. And then I would just eat it all and then feel gross. So I love that you use that approach of like, you know, if you if you if you don't have celiac, of course, mm-hmm. you know if you have celiac, it's a different story. But if you're just sensitive to it, you know, complete restriction may not have to be the case for everybody. Yeah. And giving yourself options so that you're not feeling like you, you're missing out on everything. Yeah, and not just celiac. Same with um, Hashimoto's, thyroid, autoimmune, and other autoimmune conditions. It's just, it's yeah, it's it's not a great thing to have. But mm-hmm. and then like you said, kind of knowing the symptoms. And knowing other options too, or other treatment protocols, if there is some gut inflammation or something going on showing up on the skin or in our kids. Yeah, I think it's always good to have options and know, have more tools in your toolkit. And the good thing now is there are more options for food too. There are yeah, like way are. more gluten free options. I'm mostly yeah. dairy free, and there's so many options, and it and they're really <laughs> tastes yummy. good. Yeah, I know they're really <laughs> yummy. I had a friend in physio school who was celiac, who has celiacs, and um, the food options back then were not that good. And like, so anytime she would bring her own meal to like a restaurant, we'd all feel so bad because it was so like, just didn't look appetizing. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it's like, you can go to any restaurant and there's a gluten-free option at least, or there's multiple, right? So I think that's really, really helpful for people who want to feel like they're not missing out on all the good stuff and social stuff too. Because one day things will open again and we're in Toronto, (laughs) we're in Ontario, which is back in like lockdown, I think. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even follow the news anymore because it's too, it's too much. And I'm like, it's too much. Uh, And then can you talk about with PCOS in particular, what you can do at home? Before yeah, I love this question. I think this is this is key because there are a lot of really key things even before you start working with a naturopathic doctor that you can do if this is what you think might be going on. Um, So start tracking your cycles. We talked about this. So um, cycle length, how many days of your period Mm. or of your bleed, all of your symptoms, Mm. pain, digestion, bloating, mood, migraine, sleep, everything. Um, so that's a big one. Another thing I'm you picturing can like do- a spreadsheet. It's like all of this in categories. <laughs> I, like, I, do I have this? Me in spreadsheets and Today. I want to give them a few times. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but it does not have to be a spreadsheet. <laughs> it can just be a, a list or a, a like list. you said, that app. Yeah. Keep it easy. Um, another thing is to work on the foundations of health. So I really... All naturopathic doctors really preach this because our body is amazing, like you said, and just giving it the tools is a great place to start. So good nu- nutrition, daily movement. I really love the way you approach exercise too. It's just saying move your body. It doesn't have to be complex. Just 
move your body, get fresh air, get some vitamin D on your skin. Um, another one is nourishing relationships, noticing our breath, and staying well hydrated. Those are pretty basic things. Oh, and sleep. Sleep is another one. But just start to track these things for yourself. Write a journal. How are things going? Set a regular bedtime every night. Um, yeah, those are some things that you can do. It really helps our hormones, our mindset, our stress levels, everything. Um, we already talked about blood sugar balancing. That's definitely something can, people can start thinking about. Some teas that are really good to add in are green teas. It's a really great antioxidant. Um, other good anti-inflammatory teas are ginger, chamomile. I really, really like those ones. Mm. And then just vitamin D. So we're learning, like I said, that it functions more like a hormone. Vitamin D is super Deficiency is really common, especially in Canada when we're locked inside all the time. Yeah, I recently got a test because my mom was um, diagnosed with osteoporosis and I was like, okay, I better get tested. And I was so low and I'm like, I, I even supplement. And so yeah. I'm on a higher dose now. But for those of you in Canada, like, well, in anywhere, you know, might be worth getting tested. You have to pay for the test here. Mm -hmm. um, but it's you know, it's worth it if you know, because I feel like all of these things are worth it to prevent or like manage earlier than like when you're 55, 60, getting your first bone density test and realize like, oh my gosh, you've been low for so long, right? That's a good point for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and there is a cost to it, but it's so common. Like I'll test, yeah. we'll be, I, I usually run it as like one of my baseline tests now because I used to treat things and um, we would do vitamin D like three months later. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's really, really low. That's one of the root cause problems that we need to need to do. So um, I think what you can take daily is 2,000 IUs a day. Mm -hmm. And technically, I can't dose my patients any higher without seeing that test because it is – it's, it gets stored by the body. It's a fat-soluble vitamin, so you can reach really, really high doses that are not very safe. So it is good to get tested. That's why we should get outside yeah. in the sunshine. When it peeks through, that's, go outside. That's the thing, too, is that's even sunshine. in the winter, I find that sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so cold, but I'm like, just get out. It just yeah. it just makes you feel better. And movement, right? I, I, like we talk about all the time, uh, Whitney was actually part of my postpartum return to exercise program. And we talked about this with new moms is you're busy. And even if you were an athlete before kids, we have to reframe that image of exercise in our heads because you might say at night, oh yeah, I'm going to wake up tomorrow, go for a run while my partner's at home watching the baby, but then your baby's up all night or you're exhausted or something else happens. So you, you really have to be flexible and like give yourself grace with all of these things because mm -hmm. it's rather than aiming for like perfect bedtime, perfect everything is like you start to see, even make a small change in any of that. And I'm sure you'll start to see positive effects of it. Yeah, that's such a good point. I laughed when you said, even if we were ex athletes before, I was a huge runner before my babe. I'm like, oh, great. I'll just jump. I'll be fine. I'll just start running again after. No. <laughs> it's like everything changes. Everything changes. And even if you're physically feeling good and you didn't experience like major injuries or birth trauma, like you're right. you're still physically recovering because right. you're, you're, and that's you're okay. typical. So, yeah, and that's okay. We need to give ourselves grace and love ourselves. Like, it's okay. it's okay. It's okay. And in the grand scheme, like I, I always laugh. I, I don't laugh, but I find it funny because I was there too. And yeah. so somebody will be like, oh, I'm three months 
postpartum and I still have this. And I'm like, you're only three months postpartum. Like that's still really early on. But when you're in it, when you're in the thick of it, because each day feels so long, because each moment feels so long, you're, you reach three months postpartum and you're like, oh, I don't have a newborn anymore. Like I should be back to this, this, and this. Right. But really giving yourself grace. Like even the first 18 months, I would say is still early. Like it's still managing infancy, managing a toddler, managing yourself. Uh, and the hardest part, I always joke with my husband, it's like the hardest part of all of this, of life, is like going back to the basics, get enough sleep, get mm-hmm. enough nutrition, you know, get outside, spend time with those you love. Because when you start doing all of those things, you feel so much better. And it's you just mm-hmm. have a better ability to be resilient. Exactly. Yeah. Because stress is going to happen. As we've learned, it's like impossible to Like seriously, can we like stop with this? But then I'm realizing, I'm like, this is all the more reason we need to take care of ourselves because we don't know how long this will go on for. Right. And not even just this, but anything. There's there's other stressors too. So yeah, that's um, what I teach my patients too. Stress is going to happen. Let's help you be more resilient to it. And those foundations of health are such a great way to start. And it can feel overwhelming, but just chip away at it little by little. And before you know it, if you miss sunshine in your day, you'll really notice it. And like, okay, I'm going to go outside tomorrow because I need it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that's the same with movement for those of you listening who the longer you've been inactive, the less you're going to want to move. But the more you move, the more you're going to crave it because it's your body's biological need is to move, right? Assuming you can move. And Mm -hmm. so it's something that I think we – we get used to get so out of touch with our body and our intuition with our own, how our body feels like same mm-hmm. with food. I can go all yes. day without eating because I'm so out of touch with that. And yeah. so for me, it's work to remind myself to eat. Right. But for other people that might not be, not be the case if they're used to doing it regularly. Right. And so we all have different things we're working on. And I want people to hear that too, is like, you're not going to see an expert like um, Dr. Whitney and realizing that like, Oh, she's going to judge me for like, this, this, and this. It's like we're no, humans too, humans. and we're yeah. dealing with all of these things too. So yeah. we uh, we get it. Mm-hmm. And for so sure. I have a few questions for you uh, yeah. about you. So what what kind of things do you like to do on your spare time, and what's something that you like to do for self care every day? Um, hoo hoo, free time, which is what an hour once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely an hour is the most magical thing. <laughs> yes. Um, I love to exercise. I'm one of those weird people, but it just has really changed my mood and the way I think. It's like very meditative for me. I used to be a big runner, but it's that my life has just changed a bit. So um, I'll just go for long walks or my husband and I, we go bouldering, indoor bouldering, and we can bring the babe and it's great for kids. If you guys have toddlers, it's like it's the best. But movement just is a huge game changer for me. Nice. And I love that you prioritize that. Thank you. Um, I'm not a good family. cook and I don't like cooking. I will admit that. We try to eat healthy, but <laughs> exercise is something we have prioritized. Yeah. And what's something that you're super passionate about recently? Um, it's funny. So my daughter's seven months. So I have been obsessed with food introduction. So we started mm-hmm. last month and I've just been nerding out on researching the nutrients, kind of like learning how to love to cook just to 
make it flavorful and nutrient dense and safe for her where she's at. So that's been my current obsession. <laughs> I loved food intro with my first. It was the most exciting thing. It's she, so it's just, it's so fun. And just to see their expressions when they try yes. foods and like, they, it's just so adorable. A huge mess. Ends up on the floor. But, yeah. <laughs> huge mess. But it's hilarious. I know we have, um, we put chia seeds in my son's oats and my, my husband does breakfast with them usually. And we have chia seeds on our walls so <laughs> far away from the table because he just chucks it. And then only the chia seed sticks somehow. And I, I don't know. And I'm like, what is this black thing? I'm like, oh my God, is this a bug? Nope, it's a chia seed. <laughs> yeah, that's and fun. <laughs> exactly. I, I found food introduction a lot more fun with my first than with my second, I think because my first also like took to it very easily and quickly. Like she was like an expert just figured it out very quickly mm -hmm. uh, and really enjoyed food. With my second, it took longer, but he's, he's pretty good with that now. Um, where can people find you? So what's the best way to reach you, connect with you, and get support from you? I think the best way is my Instagram. So it's just Dr. Whitney Baxter. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on there every day, whether it's on my stories. I answer people's messages. I can't give direct medical advice, but I try to just share – like research or like the fundamentals of health or how like some basic treatment protocols. Um, but yeah, I see patients if they live in BC. So, oh, I'm licensed in BC, so you have to be a BC resident, but I see people virtually or in person in my Victoria practice. But yeah, Instagram's definitely the best way to hang out with me. Awesome. That's super helpful. And you have a lot of great um, posts with information too. So for people who um, want that support, they can follow Whitney as well there. So I'll link all that in my um, in my show notes so people can find you. Thank you. And one final question is, what would you say is your mom's strength? Ooh. <laughs> um, just the ability to laugh. I'm a very goofy person, and this postpartum journey has been <laughs> – just there's no way to prepare for it. I love it, but holy man. So just being able to look at my husband and just crack up laughing when we're in just pits of despair. <laughs> I think that is a strength that will serve you for the rest of your life because I yeah. think that that is so true for so many things. And I find, I find that as a mom, there's nothing that prepares you for motherhood. There's no, just nothing. No book. And no, no book. Yeah. You can be – I have friends with kids and I thought, oh, yeah, I, I can I can babysit. I'm, that's not that bad. <laughs> it's totally different. And I also think that it's different when you're also going through it every single day with no breaks and yes. your body is experiencing it too in terms of the healing and the sleep deprivation. So really this is the time to nourish yourself, to be go easy on yourself and, um, and laugh at yourself. Laugh with your partner. Laugh it off because yeah. sometimes we take things so seriously. I love that you have that gift, Whitney, and mm -hmm. um, I wanted to thank you for sharing all of that information on PCOS and how people can um, learn if they have it, find out how to best support themselves, and find out where to receive support. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, and if you're a listener and you found this episode helpful, please share this with a friend that you think this could help and make sure to follow Whitney at, um, Dr. Whitney Baxter on Instagram and connect with her there. 
And if that you found this episode helpful, please give it a give this show up Mom Strength Podcast a follow and subscribe and uh, leave a review if you feel feel like it because that would be very very helpful for me. Thank you so much everybody and have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links and we'll chat again real soon.